0: source for Big 10 talk gets off tackle and Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, and we are here to recap a a messy week, a really dumb week, a kind of fun week, a kind of not fun
1: week, um, a week, for sure. A week with two close games and five not close games, and maybe not actually any good games, whether they were close or not. So, yeah.
0: Nothing is particularly good. Big Ten football. B1G.
1: Catch a fever. So. I do not feel. We're a
0: gonna win, we're gonna go on to a win fight tribe rooster of the week comes to you from the official territory of the Northern Illinois Huskies, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago's um, man. absolutely. And this is Maplewood Charlatan American Pale Ale.
1: Choosing this drink in honor of James Franklin for no reason.
0: Yeah, because we think that he would that he would be a fan, I guess. <clears throat> um, although I gotta say this does have a much stronger finish.
1: Yeah, it's not like it's not going to fade when you get into the last quarter of the beer. So yeah, it doesn't
0: like if it really were a James Franklin type of beer, I would expect you to be you know you to hit that
1: aftertaste and then
0: huh? Where did that sulfur come from?
1: Kind of a terrible decision for the last thing you the the consumer sees to put that at the end. But well, you know the brewers probably know what they're doing better than we do. Well, let's start with
0: um, I guess let's start with the two joke programs. Um, me we'll flip the script a little bit, but the, um, Maryland scored 34 points and seven points were scored against them. Um, fire,
1: fire, uh, fire the, this fire entire Canada. game, fire Canada, because he allowed a touchdown to Rutgers <laughs> fire this whole game. Uh, this had to be one of the worst games to watch of the season. Uh, and even though like, so if you're a Maryland fan, you could probably find plenty of ways to be upset about this game, a game in which you allowed a total of eight passing yards and your defense picked off five passes because you didn't do a whole lot better throwing the ball. It's just that the rest of your team is good enough that you put some distance between you and Rutgers. Of course,
0: the thing is, and I pointed this out, Rutgers, the one thing that you could say is, like, sort of a strength besides black shear in a vacuum is that their secondary is serviceable. Yeah. So that's kind of understandable, but it doesn't really matter when you can just run the ball all day.
1: I guess not, but still, <laughs> just overall, I mean... These teams combined for 93 passing yards, and as we already mentioned, Rutgers only threw for 8. So that means, even in a convincing win, like, you don't want to let the foot off the gas so much that you have less than 100 passing yards on the day, right? Two for 16 for 8
0: yards and 4 interceptions. I just can't believe it. It's got, like, my God, what a horrible, horrible stat line. And then... (laughs) Has there ever been a worse performance by a Big Ten quarterback in a game?
1: You could argue that Gio Resigno's performance today was worse, because his only throw was an interception, but it, you know... At least he only threw one of them. <laughs> right, I mean, like, I don't care. And he only threw for eight fewer <laughs> yards than Sitkowski
0: on 15 fewer attempts. I don't, I don't... So he's more efficient.
1: I don't get what the rationale is for playing Sitkowski at this point. Like, the clearly you're not accomplishing anything with him this year. How much better can it be for him to go in there and just be this terrible game after game? Well, you've now burned his red shirt. Whatever. Like, if he, yeah. you get, if he ends up throwing what he's probably on track to, this takes him up to what, 16? He, he's on, on track.
0: He's, this takes him up to 15, I believe, because he only threw four. Oh, that's right. He this okay. puts him on pace for 30, which is, is just mind boggling That cannot have happened.
1: unbelievable. That can't happen in division one. And like since well, because
0: it's unbelievable that a single quarterback with such a high interception rate would be allowed play to the throw whole so yeah. many
1: passes. But there's not been the slightest indication from the Rutgers staff that they're gonna go in a different direction. I mean, they've put Racinho in there a couple of times now once the game has gotten out of hand. He hasn't looked much better. I don't know, like, did Jonathan Lewis fall into a manhole somewhere or something? I mean, yeah, he's not much of a passer either, but how much worse would he be than the guys they've played so far? Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Look, if you're Rutgers, you have one game left on the schedule that could be construed as winnable. Northwestern has looked really vulnerable at times. If you don't make this change now, it's not going to matter. You've got, like I said, you've got this one game left where you might have a chance at winning, because the talent gap between the two teams isn't so vast as to as to you know put it beyond the realm of possibility that you would win. If you don't win against Northwestern, you're not winning another game this year. You're 111, 111 in year three of a head coach who just put in a true freshman who's had maybe the worst freshman quarterbacking season a while. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that maybe our followers on Twitter out there can nominate other candidates for this. And maybe next week, if we get some good responses, we will Kind of in the muck of the worst freshman seasons that have ever happened.
0: Well, while you've been talking here, I've been pulling up some sports reference stuff. And Sitkowski, at this point, would work his way into a tie for the 77th uh, most interceptions.
1: And that's halfway through the season. thrown. <laughs> well, no, I
0: mean, if he threw six more. Oh, okay. So, yeah, still 15. He's still got six more to go there. Uh, it's tied with such luminaries as 2016 David Blau. Um, but but the thing is when I look at this list, the ones near the top, um, they're mostly from like back in the days when quarterbacks just, when they just punted threw basically. one to when two, they, two when they literally TD just are, when they literally just arm punted. Uh the record is Wichita State's John Eckman, who threw thirty four in nineteen sixty six, it's not out of the realm of
1: possibility. He would have to be as bad for a couple games as he was this last week, but really like if you're this bad, it's not like Maryland has a star-studded defense. I mean, they're pretty good. They're okay. That whole nature, the way that the nature of the passing game is involved makes some of the names up here
0: pretty interesting. Ty Detmer um, <laughs> is 28 in 1990.
1: It's like uh, his name on the side of BYU's building or something? <laughs> didn't he win a Heisman? I think he did. I'm almost positive. I think uh, he let's see. Did. Mark Herman,
0: 1977 for Purdue. Huh. Uh, Don Strock, a longtime NFL backup. Let's see, there's Lynn Dickey, uh, many times NFL Pro Bowler. Um, and then the, the, the only one from before, like, 1993 that I could... Or from after 1993 that I could find, like, near the top was Derek Anderson's 24 in 2003. Um, Wait, ooh. Derek
1: Anderson, the guy who then played for the Browns? Derek
0: Horseballs Anderson, <laughs> who... Was really really good for one season and then never again. When Where? they won ten games and missed the playoffs. Where did he go to college? Oregon State. I, j- oh, I don't. Understand Wait a minute. Two thousand I- two, two thousand three. Mike Riley. Mike Riley. Many interceptions in a season. My goodness. It
1: all Duh-duh-duh. comes full circle, man. I want to believe. <laughs> gonna, oh my God. The truth, the truth Asian is, the truth is out there. <laughs> so, anyway. I, I
0: don't really know. Maryland is about still, Maryland still difficult to know what to make of it. Um, Look, but if, <laughs> did, did you did you talk about the worst play of all time? No. We, have,
1: we haven't even, as much as the passing line and the statistics are bad enough, we haven't talked about the worst play that you're going to see this season yet, that Rutgers slipped into this game like like a wet fart in a room full of people. And they are
0: just absolutely abusing their fans at this
1: point. Um, not that any of them are showing up, which God, can, you, can you blame them, really? Absolutely like, not. When they had the blackout game against Illinois and they showed the empty stands. Yeah. What, what? You're going to be upset with your fan base for showing up? I don't No, I think not, sir. There are many better things to do on the But East even Coast. fewer
0: are going to show up now that Rutgers, uh, when Maryland kicked off, the both of the return men just went up to block... And the blocking was set up really nicely for, for n- nobody.
1: For somebody who didn't have nobody had the ball. So uh, Maryland, Maryland just recovered just, the kick.
0: Yeah. So they essentially executed a really long onside kick yeah, on kickoff, accident. Yeah,
1: accidentally. <laughs> so you know, kickoffs are live balls. If the kicking team gets to it first, it's their ball. Nobody from Rutgers even tried to touch it. Yeesh. So, so what? That's four wins for Maryland. Uh, I think that moves them to four and two. Yeah, they lost to Michigan and they lost to Temple. So yes, four and two. Yeah. Probably about I mean, and you know, technically still alive in the Big Ten East. I mean, they lost to Michigan, that's not gonna help them, but you have to think (laughs) Michigan's gonna take at least one conference loss somewhere along the way, probably two. So Well uh,
0: you know, they're 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 hanging in there while uh you know, while their administrative assistants try to gather all the Dragon Balls to which DJ Durkin back from the other dimension (laughs) basically.
1: Um, Yeah, their
0: head coach is still on a bus somewhere, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the other joke program. No more talking about that. Uh, Yeah, Purdue 46, Illinois 7. Well, we got more people in this game than I expected. I paid, like, money for the tickets. Like, I actually paid, like, 25 bucks a pop for these. Um, which, yeah, I know you're probably thinking, oh, man, that's a nice deal you got there. I'm not used to that being like an even reportable part of my expenses. <laughs> um, so, yeah, given everything, uh, we got some people in the stands. The student section had enough to do a full card stunt, and then we went ahead and, uh, you know, stalled our first offensive drive, but then got a, uh, got a sack on a third down, and then came down and scored. And it uh, would have been really great if the game ended right there
1: yeah uh so i I didn't see much of this game because it was not the same time as michigan states and i ended up watching that i I thought i was gonna turn the michigan state game off like eight minutes in but i ended up watching the whole thing so i didn't see a whole lot of this but what you're
0: saying is that like you thought your game was going to be our game and our game was going to be your game yeah i blame
1: you for getting the signals crossed well no i thought that your game was going to be higher score i thought your game was going to be like in the 30s for both teams. I'm a little bit surprised that Purdue's defense deactivated Illinois' offense the way that it did, but given what you have told me and what I have seen about how Illinois chose to approach this game, putting the ball in the hands of noted master dual threat AJ Bush. Uh, so MJ Rivers possesses the
0: only redshirt on this team that the coaching staff deems sacred, and I have no idea why that is because even, you need to
1: replace him. Well. You got you got a five-star quarterback coming in that's gonna take his job. For God's sake, I really don't understand. Like, unless we're just
0: saying that, like, we're you know, he's gonna leave at the end of the year and we're just trying to do him a favor, which in that case, just just fucking say it. Just leave already. Like, just so that we know that if you're not gonna like, I don't know. I don't mean like piss off. I just mean like let's just announce it so that we at least know. My 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 theory is that the reality of the situation is they don't actually have a plan. Um, and then that's They don't really know what they're doing as far as building the roster is concerned. So that is... um, Yeah, M.J. Rivers is nowhere near the runner that A.J. Bush is. But he makes way better decisions in the read option. And Purdue basically um, put on some film and realized that A.J. Bush really sucks. Um, So what they should do is just force him to keep the ball or throw it. The thing is, even if they stacked the box against us, there were times... The few times that we did hand off, right, theoretically, right, our backs then took the ball into the heart of their defense where they would loaded up against us. But we still got, like, six yards. Like, we could have still run against a stacked box, but A.J. Bush refused to give the ball to the backs. Mike Epstein had no touches in the first half. He's the best player that's left on our team now that Mike Dudek is hurt and, and Bennett Williams is kicked off. Not that Williams was good this year, but still... Epstein barely touched the ball. I had to keep reminding the Purdue fans sitting behind me. By the way, Epstein is fully healthy. Um, he is, in fact, still the best player on our team. Uh, the second best player on this side of the field is Reggie Corbin, who is also not touched the ball. There was even a moment in the third quarter when they had one of those RPO meshes, and Corbin just refused to let go of the ball <laughs> in that exchange. He was like, no, it give, give me a fucking... No, he he he, he quoted uh, Andrew Bynum
1: there. Give it a
0: fucking blow!
1: <laughs> wow, man, Andrew Bynum drop is it 2009 all over again? <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, anyway, give the
0: offense. A- basically, my point is the offense. Um, Purdue like wasn't was playing way off the receivers and daring us to pass, even though we're awful at passing. Uh, we decided to pass anyway.
1: Uh, Look, if you've been double dared, you gotta go through with it, man. You can't. <laughs> that's a way to lose all <laughs> we your playground credit.
0: Illinois came into this game twelfth in the nation in rushing yards per game. You believe that? That's a true statistic.
1: No, and then Purdue—it's ba- like the scene from the Christmas story where, where Purdue dared you to lick the flagpole and pass instead, and you did it. And that's so... <laughs> exactly
0: what we did. Yeah. So it's funny because the, the, the crowd basically went silent when. When Purdue came back and made it seven to seven, right? We still obviously we knew we knew they were going to score, but then when we threw three straight incompletions on our next drive, the crowd went silent and just basically like <laughs> held on for dear life as Purdue scored another touchdown, and then we came out and went three and out passing the ball again, and then the crowd gave up and it was like fourteen to seven with like five minutes to go in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, so looking at it from the Purdue angle, you got to be satisfied with what you see here. You're hoping that your offense will continue to produce against weaker defenses. you got to be impressed by the defense, but as we said, maybe don't read too much into it. Illinois made some really bad strategic choices here.
0: Yeah, we were held to 213 yards of offense. Um, and I'm not even talking about the defense because that's just how good this Illinois defense is. Now, the problem with that being how good this Illinois defense is is that uh, Lovey Smith's entire function here as a head coach, he's not really a recruiter. He's not an offensive guy. Um, he calls the defense. This defense is awful. Now, yeah, they could run this scheme, which is just a base look, cover two, um, and have success if they had a lot of talent. They have but Brian, it's now they had
1: Brian Erlacher and Lance but Briggs. But it's now year three. Peanut Tillman's. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: right, so if the excuse is that he doesn't have the talent then go get it! Go fucking get it! It's literally your job. If that's what you're saying, that's what what I always didn't understand. We're talking about the same thing that John Gross always was like. John Gross's defenders were always like, well, if he gets an elite point guard, he can run the system that he needs to win and succeed. Okay, then go get that guy. Go get that guy or change your system. If you're not going to get the talent to compete, then you need... To, to do something, to make some kind of adjustment, they never, ever did. And the thing is, even when they did blitz, they would blitz 5 and 6, and still not get anywhere close to the quarterback. It, it, the, the amount of talent... On it, like This could have succeeded if he'd been way better at recruiting. He brought us a little bit closer, but nowhere near enough to actually succeed on defense. And it's really, really worrying that it's worse than last year. And, uh... We're not going to fire Lovey Smith. We can't. He won three games. It's not going to happen. But this gives me no faith that we're going to be able to improve enough next year because we've got a defense that's, like, worse than 100th in S&P+. It's gotten worse every single year that he's been here, and he's a defense guy. This is alarming. Um, Yeah. Uh, I think the Illinois internet has more or less turned on him at this point. And, I mean, we're getting to the point of this rebuild where we just can't afford to let 46 points in a row be scored by a team that's going to finish in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten West. Are they, though? I don't know, man. I,
1: like, with every week that goes by, I kind of think, why not Purdue? I mean, Iowa probably... To be honest, at this point, Iowa probably looks like the best team in the West. They've already lost to Wisconsin. We see. We saw last year, they're capable of an A-plus game like well, it depends they just on what, what, do you, what do you
0: consider the middle? Because I'd say 3-5 to five is the middle. Eh, so 3
1: then, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah, my point is... Not one of the top teams. Well, I, but still, I even that, though. I mean, given the way the two teams just played this weekend, you really telling me Purdue can't beat Wisconsin, that that's impossible? I mean, it, certainly. I'm not, sh- I'm not making that. I'm not calling but that, I
0: would be shocked if they allowed 46 straight points to Wisconsin and didn't even contest them. We allowed 404 yards in the first half. We were on pace to give up over 800. Right. That's, yeah, four times. Anyway, okay. yeah. So, point <laughs> is... Purdue is better than Illinois. Purdue should not be 39 points better than Illinois. Um, This was a failure at every level. Um, I don't know what more you can really say about this. It doesn't look like we can compete with any more of the teams left on the schedule. So this is kind of going to be, I guess this is basically just my wrap up on Illinois for the season and we'll just be doing those first with Illinois and Rutgers. We're not going to learn anything else. We that was this was the first stretch of a game where of the series of games where we're supposed to start learning shit.
1: You know, if you've ever like if you've ever been in a in a an unfinished basement that's like had work done so you're like down to the foundation level sub basement cement, like you can learn a little bit about how houses are supposed to be built if it's not done correctly. So maybe there's something useful that can be gleaned from that. Absolutely true. If you need to do a little bit of foundation work, so We brought up Iowa briefly there, and as we mentioned, I I think they're looking like the best team in the West right now. Certainly, um, it's not like their very humble and modest fan base would ever let us know that their team has been successful in a game. So we have to go looking if we want to know about the success of the Iowa Hawkeyes, friend. Well, one more
0: thing. What I did learn learn in the sub-basement is that Seth Luttrell hopefully has unfinished business at North Texas next year so that he can be available for 2020. Anyway, hey, hey. Iowa.
1: Yeah, looking pretty good. Um, watching a lot of this game, though, I had the overwhelming feeling that Iowa really biffed an opportunity against Wisconsin. They need they the ba- did. They need the Badgers to lose another game for the way that the Hawkeyes are playing right now to matter at all. I mean, we said before the season, this should be the year. There should not be excuses. You have Wisconsin at home at night, win that game. And this didn't. is Wisconsin that is, contrary to my expectations, much worse than last year. Way especially vulnerable. Especially on defense. But then you look at the rest of Wisconsin's schedule, I believe they have Penn State left in the crossover, and then it's divisional games against, like, who else? We mentioned Purdue, but who else really is going to do Iowa this favor and beat Wisconsin? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, right, but we I don't shouldn't see any we reason that it won't happen next week. We shouldn't Navel gaze too much. To actually focus on the game that happened <laughs> this week, um, you know, Nate Stanley never seems to get a whole lot of national attention. Probably because Iowa generally plays a really bland, uninteresting brand of football. Sorry, it's true. Uh, but he really looked like kind of the best pro-prospect quarterback this conference has had in quite a while this week, did he not? Yeah. Um, he just seems
0: to be good at making um, low-risk decisions and executing the throws well.
1: Well, then the other thing is, one like, once or twice a game, he has this play where some blitzer will have him square in the crosshairs, and he just shrugs him off because he's a big, strong guy. and Because <laughs> maybe, he, he's, maybe, maybe he's... Maybe he's got- Maybe like, it's because they wear the same colors, but the Ben Roethlisberger comparisons come really easily with him.
0: Yeah, the pocket awareness is just when you—it's like the guy's got eyes in the back of his head sometimes. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of a <laughs> rare thing to have at that level.
1: It does help that you can that he can just wear a safety like a cape and not be dragged down by them, and yep. then big boy. Yeah, and and you have to finally, if you're an Iowa fan, after enduring the Greg Davis era, you finally see an offensive coaching staff that makes use of the actual assets you have, which is an unending stream of tight ends. Not so much to wide receivers, uh, but that makes good use of the excellent tight end play, strong running game, and then there's enough receiver stuff going on on the outside so that they're also present, but nothing special. So this has got to be what you want to see if you're Iowa. I think this is the platonic ideal of Hawkeye football. Indiana feels like a team without a direction right now. I don't know. Yeah, if you're an Indiana fan, I mean,
0: you're, you're certainly the team's certainly better than these other two, but... You're more than welcome to join Illinois and Rutgers fans in looking out that basement window where it's just gray and rainy outside.
1: It's October in the Midwest, man. What do you think was gonna? Happen? It's almost basketball season. You got Romeo I mean, Langford coming. You got something to look forward to. Yeah, I don't I'm even sure know it TV ain't football do. season, man. I don't think you get into bowl eligibility with what you got left on the schedule. You still got some tough games to play. You'll Penn You got Penn State coming to town next week, and you—they're know they're gonna be pissed after what's happened to Penn State the last couple of weeks. So good luck with that game. That feels like another loss. And again, if you know Tom Allen seems like a good enough guy, he's got some. He's got the defense in a pretty good place. But overall, this thing just ain't working. It doesn't feel like it's gonna. It doesn't feel that like.
0: defense wasn't all that effective this week. No,
1: not this week. But again, if if Iowa's really clicking, no offense, a tough matchup. TJ Hawkinson's a tough matchup. Actual good tight ends in college. There are very few teams that are prepared to deal with that. You just don't see it very much, because <laughs> most most teams turn tight ends into defensive linemen instead. So I guess I guess what can you say other than that Indiana is we
0: thought a solid team with a with a high-ish floor and very low ceiling but instead what they are is just a steadily mediocre team.
1: Well, thinking back to I'd say slightly below mediocre. Thinking back to before the season, I was not optimistic about Indiana being good this year. Just some
0: just to be pedantic.
1: I I, I tend to view middling as a
0: little bit above mediocre. Like mediocre is just like ugh, below average, so like I know that there's that, Word, right. that, that, that... you know. We'll
1: have to come out at some point with a with the graphic of average and determine exactly where se- the several adjectives we use for kind of meh teams. Know, where does meh fit in on that? Is that below meh. middling? Meh. I would say meh and middling are roughly the same. Roughly synonymous? All right. So, you know, it's good that the you're... upper tu- middling
0: class. I like <laughs> that
1: one. It's, it's good that you're tuning in, listener. You're really learning something today. Uh, so... Yeah, as far as, as far as things go for Indiana, look, this is, there's not a whole lot to be happy about after this game, okay, because not only did you give up 42 to an Iowa offense, which has been okay, but generally not great, but then offensively, some interesting decisions at various times, and this is an Iowa defense that has a really good line, but kind of not a whole lot else going on on that side of the ball, a lot of injuries in the back end in particular. You would think with Indiana's skill position, guys, they would have been able to take advantage of that. And they really didn't try all that much. Interesting decisions. So, Well, I guess we're done talking about those uh... bad teams. Oh, we got a few left.
0: Talking about the sad teams. (laughs) We got a few
1: left. We're talking
0: about the sad, sad teams.
1: We will go, however, to... The game featuring a conference frontrunner. Again, a game where you, a team wins by two scores, and the winning team's fans are furious. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh,
0: Lovey Smith feels all over but the but the sharding, but at
1: least we're not Ohio State. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. God, what a terrible shit situation for their fans. Okay, to, could you imagine just have to seven and zero this way, and just just have to watch Pathetic. a game, watch a game into the fourth quarter, and you're not winning by forty, and it's Minnesota, and they're not even and
0: your quarterback throws eleven incomplete passes. What? Dude, Come on,
1: cut the fucking bum. I mean, I swear. KJ like, Hill
0: caught seven passes that
1: were not touchdowns. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Like, this team, just a bunch of just man. Wake me when it's is Ohio State good at wrestling. Wake me when it's wrestling season. They're gonna. They're not gonna. No one thinks they're gonna be good at basketball this year. Nobody thought that last year either. I guess we'll. I'm saying nobody because Dan Dockage does not fucking count. Well,
0: I mean, they did take a prospect that we desperately, desperately needed. Fight me, Dan. (laughs) But anyway, Minnesota did. I don't know. Did Minnesota stop the run, or did Ohio State just? choose to pass because the run wasn't working the few times they went to it. Could be both. I mean, yeah, I
1: mean, the Ohio, it is fair to say that the Ohio State offensive line, in the run blocking aspect at least, has really kind of looked like a problem this year. You know, when you have to replace a Remington-winning center two years in a row, sometimes it can be a little bit of an issue to get the next guy in and have the same level of play. Should happen sometimes. Turnover isn't always easy, even when you recruit the way Ohio State does, especially an offensive line where it's really all about five guys having good chemistry. They can be as big and strong as you want, but if they don't work together, it's going to look kind of like this sometimes. So welcome to the problems that all the rest of us have all the damn time. And because you've still got Dwayne Haskins and... Seven or eight NFL caliber receivers. It doesn't friggin' matter. You ended up winning the game anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Ohio State couldn't stop. I mean, couldn't couldn't really run the ball that well. But
1: who cares when you you complete thirty three passes for over four hundred yards? Yeah. It. So look, I, I get the reason why Ohio State fans are angsty about this because their goal, as it is every year under Urban Meyer, is going to be playoff or bust, and not just getting there but winning. And if you show up against Alabama and you can't run the ball, uh, you're fucked, buddy. So that's probably the frame of mind that makes most of
0: your. But that's funny because it basically makes most of the games you watch as an Ohio State fan, like NFL preseason games, irrelevant at
1: best. I can't stand watching NFL preseason. Irrelevant at best, infuriating at worst. And you've got this was infuriating for Buckeye fans. So you know, on the flip side, though. Again, a two-score loss, but if you're a Minnesota fan, you must be very encouraged by P.J. Fleck's progress here, and I really liked the press conference that he gave after the game. Um, It does kind of feel like he's probably going to end up working out there. I know that we haven't necessarily been the biggest fan of his on this program. I'm still kind of not the biggest fan of him overall, but from a perspective of how he handles his program, eh, you could do worse. You know, and that
0: was not really a fluke when I look at it statistically, because... Uh, Post game win expectancy for Ohio State of sixty six percent, which means that it was a win, but it was contested. Yeah. Um, and I had been very skeptical of Minnesota coming into this game. I've been skeptical of In the like you no know less. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I've been skeptical of the claim by S and P that they had like the thirty fifth ranked
1: defense, and I was thinking, I don't think they're actually like
0: actually they did pretty
1: well. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, again, given that you're still pretty early on in the flex cycle here, I think you have to be reasonably satisfied given the injuries you've had on offense, the youth you've got at the key positions i mean if zach oxton doesn't throw a couple of pretty ugly interceptions here in the ohio state side of the field this game could have turned out differently it wouldn't have been the weirdest thing in the world yeah because they had they did turn the ball over three times and in, in crucial
0: situations yeah, the two
1: interceptions were both basically on badly thrown deep balls that were too far inside that's just a freshman making freshman mistakes especially the second one where we didn't you know correct the throw <laughs> but um All being all that being said, yeah, signs of progress for Minnesota. Probably not gonna be a whole lot of banner wins this season, but I mean, shit. If if you're Minnesota, you really don't feel like you can beat Wisconsin after this past year, this past week's results. Like you don't feel like you can tag a couple other teams in conference play coming down the stretch here. I think you can eat you. You gotta get a bowl if you're Minnesota for this year to be a success. But after how you played today, I don't think it's really out of the realm of possibility for that to happen.
0: Well, I mean. I don't know this year with the way that the quarterback depth chart turned out and the running back depth chart turned out. After a while, um, yeah, you, you kind of think, well, this isn't this isn't even my final four. But no, you're kind <laughs> of thinking this year as far in terms of building for the future. So it's not necessarily crucial that you get to a bowl here. It'd obviously be nice, but point is, you've still seen some pretty decent returns so far. Yeah, um, and then like I just I'm thinking I'm like God. Illinois is the only team recently that has managed to hire a coach that is both really hateable and really bad. How, Damn it. How is Lovey Smith hateable? Who hates Lovey Smith? I'm not talking about Lovey Smith. <laughs> oh, I see. Everybody hated Tim Beckman. Right, right, right.
1: Anyway, moving on. So, yeah, now we move on to a couple of the, of the dramatic games, which weren't necessarily good, but were at least closer. Um, Northwestern takes down Nebraska 34-31 in overtime. Boy. Um. So I was getting, I was getting <laughs> frost warnings
0: for champagne on my phone. Uh, in the oh, days leading up to the game. get high! So, then I just kept thinking, frost
1: like... Frost season, y'all! Huh.
0: I, I feel like that might not have actually been the forecast for, like, Evanston. So, like, maybe the frost
1: <laughs> went to the wrong place. Yeah. You, you know you, We don't even play them at home. You get a frost warning for what you think is going to be a real frosty type of occasion that's, like, 50 degrees. And it's like, oh, this isn't even close to what we were promised. Uh, oh. Anyway, the
0: National Dick Trip Service... Has discontinued their frost advisory for Evanston
1: for the foreseeable season, for, for foreseeable future. So Nebraska goes to zero six for the first time in their I think 129 year history of playing football. And the way they did it was by squandering a ten point lead to Northwestern, that most dynamic and explosive of offenses, and with what like two two minutes and something left to go. There. God, 10 does 10 lead? anybody throw more
0: passes? Without scoring many points, like like passes to points ratio has got to be astronomical for Clayton Thorson and the Wildcats. Probably,
1: but that's because that is their whole offense. They basically stopped trying to run the ball, which I have like I wish my own coaching staff was so flexible and and you know <laughs> capable of adjusting when something isn't work isn't working. There's no intrinsic value in doing something that doesn't work just because you want to do it. You know. Hey,
0: well maybe our offensive coordinator should switch for a game. we're good at running the ball and we should run the ball you're good at passing the ball and you should pass the ball we had the exact opposite problems it's like a freaky friday situation (laughs) so
1: um yeah there again as we've said the last few weeks it feels like you you do see flashes of what nebraska could ultimately be under scott frost but first i mean the, the basic part of this and scott and frost wasn't at all shy about nudging his defensive staff under the bus on this one is that his defense just is not getting stops when it needs to. Uh, it's it's not reasonable to expect an offense helmed by a true freshman in the first year of a radical system switch to, to consistently put up points and, you know, hold the ball even. So... I was a little surprised that Scott Frost went conservative with a touchdown lead to protect late when he just ran the ball three times knowing Northwestern would blow up to stop it uh, especially knowing as he must by now what the limitations of his defense are and this felt like an important win to get I mean I'm not saying that the program is wrecked or that he's going to fail ultimately but if you if you want to speed things along a little bit you got to give your players some reason to believe and if you're on six I mean are, are there any other own six power five teams right now UCLA won this yeah, one so I don't think so um then looking at it for northwestern i mean again this is a script we've seen so many times before if they could just be ready to play like this from the beginning of the season we'd be talking about them and we'd they'd be in the conference race picture although they are leading the west division now technically but i don't think anyone talks about them as a serious contender for the division because we've seen how bad they're capable of being i don't know man what what is it with northwestern and waiting until the second month of the season to start playing I I don't really know. I mean,
0: I don't know what to say about Northwestern anymore. Uh their their ability to their inability to run the ball is hilarious, especially given Nebraska's rushing defense to date. The fact that they managed oh, they
1: managed only 32 yards on 23 carries. <laughs> Well, that probably does include... I mean, those numbers are not sack-adjusted, but I don't know. I mean, I don't remember I remember Gifford getting... Luke Gifford got at least one sack that I can think of, I'm pretty sure. Again, I, wouldn't, I would not I be honest and say I did not watch this whole game. There were four noon games this week that I was kind of flipping through, the result of which being, of course, I don't really have that good of an idea of what happened in any of them. Well, that's how you got this job. <clears throat> they don't pay me because I watch the games. I could have just stopped at saying they don't pay me. <clears throat> so... Anyway, um, Michigan State. That had to be the dumbest game I've seen in years. Are you sure it wasn't the dumbest game you've seen in one week? Well, yes, because Michigan State played the previous week. So, uh, yeah, there, there were some there were some interesting strategic decisions by both teams. I was somewhat heartened that Michigan State basically scrapped their power blocking scheme and went to zone because <clears throat> the power blocking has not worked has not worked at all. I don't love that it took them until the fifth game to do it, but it seemed to catch Penn State off guard enough because apparently that's been in the playbook, but they just never use it. And so MSU was actually able to run for decent yardage. Um, I mean, there's this wide receiver group is such a mash unit now that I mean, like part of when this offense doesn't work again, it's easy to be frustrated with play calling. But again, there's situations where guys just there were a bunch of drops by the wide receivers. Other than, if they didn't have Felton Davis right now, this would be. Like a two win team because of how bad this offense is. But they do still have Felton Davis. So that's really the only reason they won in this game is because D'Antonio didn't take his Urban Meyer medication that makes him forget that he has Felton Davis. Right, which is helpful. um, And they were helped on the other side by the fact that Penn State also made some interesting decisions here, like single covering Davis in the last drive of the game when he's been the only thing that Michigan State has going to move the ball reliably. Penn State also, over the course of the game, made a decision to consistently try running the ball, even though, as far as the QB run goes, MSU kept a spy on McSorley the whole game, having apparently watched Ohio State and seeing how not to give up 500 yards to the quarterback. Uh, they kept running Miles Sanders, and the guy had two long runs that dragged his rushing average way up to like almost 10 yards a carry, but on a run-by-run basis, there really wasn't much there. He had like a 78-yarder and a 40-something-yarder. Those are a great place to have, and I guess the thinking is if you keep giving him opportunities, maybe he gets another one or two of those. But he did sort of ground to his halt after a while.
0: Michigan State also has had tremendous success using a strategy that um, used, well, I mean, it's not quite the... the strategy that Illinois has used is to have the, the quarterback throw interceptions and then also never fumble. Uh, in Michigan State's case, they took the whole thing a little further because they did, in fact, get 14 passes deflected. And uh, put the ball on the ground four times, and of that, of those 18 opportunities, one of them turned into a turnover. Yeah, so obviously not all past deflections <laughs> are created equal, but in the in uh, Bill Connolly's turnover luck stat, <laughs> they do count for part of a turnover. So that's 18 partial turnovers. What the crap? We do not, we do not approve this message right here that is going on. ESPN always like.
1: Oh, you've been on our site for a while. You must yeah. want an ad now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, like like I usually look for the thing to mute immediately, and then I can't find it. So anyway,
1: um, but yeah, it, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you're probably getting a little annoyed at this point with the number of games James Franklin has allowed to slip through their fingers in the last couple of years. But I also saw a stat, something like they're twenty four and five over the last however long that would be two and a half fish seasons, but. You have to keep in mind, first of all, that's 24 wins. And then in all five of those losses, they have had leads in the fourth quarter. So on the one hand, you're mad that they let those games get away. On the other hand, you could be 29-0 if you know if you had hell if you had made a couple more plays in each of those games. So very frustrated, I would imagine, that you're not where you could be. But given how close you are and how far Franklin's brought this program, I don't think you're gonna be too upset. Now, that's not gonna stop me from cackling. Like a demented madman over Frank, every Frank failure that Franklin has because I think he's a detestable douchebag. But, you know, that's just my opinion. So.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Um, to be perfectly honest, I mean, this basically eliminates Penn State,
1: right? But from the playoff? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, conference race, too. It, there's. Sure, there are technical scenarios where they could still win the division, but with. Ohio State
0: would have to lose three games, right? Yeah,
1: and Michigan State would have to lose at least one more. Ohio State is not going to lose no, three Ohio, games. No, Ohio State would have to lose two more, yeah, so no.
0: No, no, because because <coughs> Penn State has two conference losses, Ohio State has two conference losses. And Isn't it had the heads. So. Exactly, so Ohio State would have to lose three games. Yeah. Ohio, <laughs> State
1: will, Ohio State hasn't lost three games in a season since Urban Meyer's been there. No, it's, this ain't gonna be the year. I mean, you can see... Ohio State could lose to Michigan. They, I could, think they could lose to Purdue. They could lose to Michigan State. But those, those lo- second I think two-
0: they've lost three conference games in the regular season since Urban Meyer has been there. They
1: lost, what, one last year? Uh, to Iowa, yes. They lost one the year before. To Penn State. To Penn State. And then one in 15 to Michigan State. To Michigan State. Did they lose one in fourteen? I don't believe so. No, nope. went to the playoff. In thirteen, they didn't, and
0: in twelve, they didn't. So yeah, they Urban Meyer would need to double the amount of regular season conference
1: losses uh, from his first uh, five. <laughs> he would need to match five seasons worth of regular season conference losses in the span of six games for Penn State to. And get I'm the, sure that yeah.
0: there's that there's some you know just spoiled rotten Ohio State fans saying, really No, what this problem really
1: problems going to.
0: No, he's not. Shut up. No one likes you. Yeah.
1: So. No, Penn State's not going to be going to the conference title game with a playoff. You would think with two losses and uh, I mean at this point what resume wins do they have? I don't know that they should I think they're ranked what 18th now. If yeah. they if they went out, that would they would have games against Wisconsin and Michigan. Um they probably make their way into a New Year's Six bowl game because of their crowd, you know, the way they draw crowds, so you could get to a Fiesta Bowl or whatever. I I lose track of which teams are hosting playoffs. And you know what,
0: when you get to go and do shit like that, isn't that fun? Yeah, you want to go, I you want to do that. Yeah, you know what, even if you're pissed off about, uh, about oh man, well they're not going to make playoffs yet again, I guess I'm going to have to settle for like Fiesta fuck, Bowl. Fucking
1: or, Orange Bowl, just got to go to yeah, Miami in January. You know. fucking yeah, you it. know
0: what, I'd rather just have nothing. I'd rather just not even go. It's like, hey, hey, you know what, I uh, missed my opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl 11 years ago. <laughs> you don't wish that they didn't go.
1: <laughs> so anyway... Um, Last conference game of the week, what we thought was going to be an interesting marquee matchup, uh, yeah, this was, for, a first, matchup was here. for the first half, competitive for the first half. And then uh, Wisconsin continued to just kind of not throw the ball at all. This, is, this was Evil Hornibrook who showed up for Wisconsin, and we've seen that. Now, I thought maybe he might have turned a corner with the way he played against Iowa, and that maybe we would see a, a repeat of that, which I thought would be necessary for Wisconsin to win this game.
0: So not Alex Hornibrook, but... Corbin
1: Zella showed up. Like, that's just like bizarro, oh, Hornerbrook, dude. Yep, that's just <coughs> me
0: pronouncing his name backwards, which is generally how you do an evil version.
1: Yeah, so, and man, as good as he was against Iowa, he was equally bad in this game. Like 25 pass yards at halftime, and then also 25 pass yards at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Zero passing yards in the third quarter as Michigan started to pile up a lead. It, could you argue that this is contextually worse than what Art Sikowski did this week? Could you?
0: Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, he, ended, I
1: mean, he ended up going over 100 yards because they got a couple of drives in the fourth quarter once the game was decided. Um, but, I mean, then the other thing... He took them right out of that <clears throat> Yeah, and the other thing, though, is it's not really fair to put the whole thing on him because we've not seen Wisconsin look this vulnerable defensively in quite a while. It's they not... allowed
0: 320 rushing
1: yards. Well, yeah, and, like, almost half of that was to the quarterbacks. It's yeah. not It's not like Michigan's dragging Denard Robinson back and you sneaking him do out the not field. Often
0: see, you do not often see a big old pro-style quarterback lumber for 44 yards yeah, through the, the Wisconsin defense. Yeah, we're
1: talking about the backup here. Dylan McCaffrey, like, he... Shea Patterson can move okay although I don't think anyone really thinks of him as a running threat he's it's mostly like oh he's mobile in the pocket whatever well he had like a 70 something yarder and then McCaffrey after the game is decided comes in and he breaks off a 40 yard touch, rushing touchdown this is not a vintage Wisconsin defense anymore. They still got a couple playmaking linebackers. Their secondary is terrible. It's injured. It's young. Defensive line is clearly not as deep as it used to be. They still have Sagapolu, but other than that, they don't have any playmakers up front either. Remember
0: that time losing Dave Aranda wasn't going to hurt the Wisconsin machine at all? It wouldn't even slow it down?
1: No, I'm sure nobody ever made that claim. So, yeah, and then...
0: Oh, they did after last year. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Nope. It wasn't even
1: Dave Aranda. We just... It's just all buried, right? Yeah, that's, nope. that's exactly right, Other Bear. <laughs> 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 and, you know, look, it, Michigan clearly probably played like an A-level game from them. I don't know how much better they're capable of being than they were here, but they're on a bit of a role here. It's On paper, I have no confidence about Michigan State winning that game next week. We're almost there in our previews, so we're not going to get into that too much further. But they're clearly the number one contender for Ohio State right now. <laughs> it feels like it's been, it's been what, since... 2006, has there been a possibility for as high-profile a matchup between Michigan and Ohio State as this year? Well, I mean, a couple years ago. Well, that was before... I mean, Michigan, before they played Ohio State... They were top 10. Were they still? In the the, the horseshoe, the overtime game? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were. Well, I just don't pay any attention to that matchup because I don't care about it. I mean... Because it's... Not important. Well, it, was, so, it was both Ohio State I can't and say that I remember.
0: Michigan had one loss coming into that one. So it actually would have, Michigan winning that game actually
1: would have won them the conference. Would have won them. The division, yeah. <laughs> that still would have been a good Wisconsin game they would have played. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. You have to be feeling pretty good if you're Michigan right now. This, I mean, think about the Harbaugh era here and what wins do they have that are better? The one over Penn State two years ago when Penn State then went on to win the conference? Is that a better win? Yeah, probably. that was a pretty good win. Probably because that was that was the that wasn't that that was the last
0: loss that Penn State had that year because at that point they were two and two. Yeah, and everybody exactly. was just writing Franklin off. Yeah.
1: So yeah, this is probably the best win of the Harbaugh era so far. A uh, couple opportunities this year yet to make that you know to set that bar a little. Well, higher. Well, that Notre Dame loss sure did put a damper on Michigan
0: this season, huh? I mean, because you know they. Notre Dame now is still undefeated, but at the same time, it's just hard to think of how inept Michigan looked in that game
1: and then take them seriously. Sure, but it was the first week of the season. Yeah, exactly. A lot of but people are going to get like, that. Like, and we're talking about is... Michigan. We've
0: been talking about Michigan in like really terms that they're probably better than. Um, and this game like proved it. It's just you keep thinking back to that Notre Dame game week one as,
1: like, establishing them as clearly not a top-tier team. Because you've lost to a, you, I mean, you lost to a quarterback who couldn't hold his job for a month. And, you know, granted, Notre Dame has turned out to be better since then. I think with the, you know, with the accumulation of some contacts over the course of the season, of course, we always get a little bit better perspective, so. Your source for
0: Big Ten Talk. gets off-tackle. Empire!